I'm very excited to share this recording with you guys, which happened at our conference, sasopen.com, with over 100 speakers, all founders of B2B SaaS companies. We have a very high bar for what speakers share on stage, so you're going to enjoy this episode where we dive deep into revenue graphs, real tactics, and real growth metrics. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. I'm looking forward to sharing with you some of the insights that I've gained over working with over 45 different B2B software companies, specifically on how to build a repeatable sales process. But where I first want to start here is understanding the room a bit. I'll tailor this based on what I see. So raise your hand if you do not have a sales team, but you plan on building one. Okay, nobody. Raise your hand if you actually have a sales team and you want to, okay, keep, keep your hands up real quick. Only put your hands down if they are meeting and exceeding your expectations. Okay, so we have some room here. We can do a little bit better. So that's what I'm going to share with you here today. Quick walkthrough of my background. So again, my name is Kyle Van Voris. I've held just about every position you can have in sales. So I started off cold calling as an SDR at Intuit. About 10 months later, I was promoted to an account executive. And even though I had been promoted, my manager would still ask me to come and work with the new and often struggling SDRs. And after working with so many sales development reps, I decided to write a book in 2017 called Cold to Committed, specifically on how to cold call, cold email, and book outbound sales appointments. From there, I went and ran the SDR team at a technology company, a tech startup, uh, financial tech, in uh, San Francisco, scaled that team from three people to 14, and we went from 120 million in assets and under management to over a billion in 20 months. So that was incredible growth, but it was also my first time building a team. And for those of you who have a team, and if you've ever built a team before, you know it can be really challenging, right? And you learn a lot of things on, on the way. So I decided to try to repeat the success. I went to a large global supply chain software company running the inside sales team, and we 5x revenue in less than two years. So at that point, I was like, wow, I might actually be onto something here. So three years ago, I started a sales consulting company, and now we work with B2B software companies. We help them build a repeatable sales process, and we've worked with over 45 at this point. So where I want to start here with you is really over the next 20 minutes sharing how to plan out the team correctly. And even if you have a team, the plan is often where things broke. So I'm going to show you how to plan it out correctly. I'm going to show you how to build a repeatable sales process. We're going to get to that today too. And then finally, how to improve your team. So you have a team today. I'm going to show you exactly what you need to be looking at regularly so you can focus on the bottlenecks that are actually holding your team back. Does that sound fun? All right, I'm excited. So we're going to start with plan here. What a lot of organizations do is something that I call hire and hope. They hire sales reps and then they cross their fingers, they hope that they work out. Raise your hand if you've done that before. Right? Everybody has. We all have. And here's the challenge with hire and hope. When things aren't working, you're not really sure why they're not working. But that might not be a big deal, right? We're all entrepreneurs. We're sharp. We'll just stop doing what doesn't work. It's frustrating, but we just won't do it anymore. The real problem is when things are working, you still don't know why. 
So how could you possibly repeat it? You can't. So I call the main challenges I see the three poisons. And this is why. See, I've worked with a lot of organizations that hired and hoped, and the outcomes there, what they try to do to solve it is they might change the script around. Maybe you've done that. Every month is a different script. Or maybe they hire a sales trainer. This will be the, the secret. Oh, I'll buy this piece of sales technology. They told me it's going to make them radically more efficient. Efficiency is not your problem, right? Now, all those things do help. There's stages where those help a lot. But what I find is the number one challenge is not really a script, a piece of software, the individual skill of a rep. It's one of these three things, one of the three poisons. The first one here, the reps don't know what they have to do to be successful. Number two, leadership doesn't know how to use the data to make the team successful. And number three, which sometimes is a result of the first two, by the way, there's a culture where poor performance is tolerated. You need to avoid these at all costs. I'm going to show you how. Because what happens when you have this kind of environment in your sales team, it creates what I call the fragile sales team. It's kind of like building a house of cards. You might get it to stand up. It might even look good. But at a certain point, something unforeseen will happen and the whole thing will collapse. You want to avoid that, by the way. And to do that, we create what I call the anti-fragile sales team. An anti-fragile sales team doesn't collapse when it encounters a challenge. It improves. And if you do this over and over and over again, month over month, quarter over quarter, your sales team will be unrecognizable from what it was a year ago to what it is today. And I'm going to give you the resources you need to be able to do this in this talk. So it's a lot to cover, but we're going to do it. So there's two steps we're going to be following today. Step number one, we're going to model your ideal state. What does the perfect sales team look like on paper? On paper. Because then step number two, we're going to measure what matters. So that way we can replicate what's on paper in the real world. Right? Has anybody here had the experience where you built a spreadsheet and then it didn't really go the way the spreadsheet said? Yeah, of course. Right? We all have. Now, yeah, no, not in your life. <laughs> Good. I'm glad somebody here is the perfect. Let's trade, uh, trade mics. Um, okay. So I'm going to walk you through exactly how to prevent that from happening. All right, we're going to go into the build phase here. So let me ask a question here. This is a controversial question. Is sales a numbers game? Raise your hand if you believe sales is about quantity. More activity, more activity. Let's close deals, quantity. Nobody here. A little bit, okay, good, good being honest. By the way, I lean a little bit more to this one, by the way. I'll explain why in a minute. How many of you believe it's all about quality? Okay, some people, some people just don't have opinions. You're like, I don't know, it could be quantity, quality. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's just reality, right? The reality is you need both because if you're not doing the quantity of activities, I promise you, you're not hitting your revenue targets. I can guarantee that to you. If you have SDRs making 20 calls a day, we're not getting anywhere. But if we're not doing quality activities, we're also not getting anywhere. So you have to balance. You're 100% right there. So what we're gonna use is a tool that we call the sales team calculator. And I have sample data from a real company that we're gonna go through today, and I'm gonna show you how to model out your ideal sales team. And then you can use this at the end. I'll, I'll give you guys all the sheets and everything. Okay, who loves spreadsheets? Yes! So this is a spreadsheet, by the way. <laughs> There's a lot of numbers on it, and I'm gonna go through it. I'm gonna make it as simple as possible. So this spreadsheet is split up into a couple of phases. The first one here are all of the assumptions. 
If you have real data, that's great. But if you look here, we have a revenue target, 2 million. That's what they put. This is, they gave me these numbers. I plugged them into our sheet. 2 million. They say, we need to hit 2 million over the next 12 months. Okay, great. What's next? Close percentage. We close about 18% of the people we talk to. Awesome. What's your average co- uh, contract value for a year? 15K. What's the show rate? So the people who book an appointment, what percentage do they actually show up to that appointment? 80%. Of the people who show up, how many of them qualify? About 80%. What are you paying SDRs? What are you paying AEs? All right, perfect. And that's OTE, by the way, including commission, assuming they hit their number for the year. All right, so we have that in place. Next, what are you planning on doing? So they told me, oh, we're gonna hire one SDR, one AE. Then after about three months, we'll hire another SDR, another AE. And then at the six month mark, we'll hire another SDR, another AE. We'll have a team of three SDRs, three AEs. I said, how did you... How did you come up with those numbers? Oh, it just sounded great to me. Yeah, right, perfect. One, one, we're going to be great. Uh, and you can see below it, SDR target activity, AE target activity. I expect SDRs to do 100 activities per day. It's my standard. Sometimes we dial that down depending on the organization and the type of outreach they have to do. But for the most part, my general is let's get them to 100 activities per day. And an activity, for those of you who might not be familiar, cold call, cold email, LinkedIn outreach. It may be working inbound leads, calling inbound leads, that kind of thing. Then there's AE target activities. I like AEs prospecting as well. Until we get to scale and the AEs are truly back-to-back in meetings all day and work in pipeline, they're also doing activities. I think it's important. And then there's activity to demo. This is a higher level quality metric. It's what percentage of our activities are actually resulting in an appointment being booked. In this case, we're starting off at 0.3% and it scales up to 1%. So at 1%, you, make 100, you do 100 activities, you're getting one appointment. Everybody follow so far? I told you this wasn't going to be hard. Now next, we have the actual outputs of the model. So what we're looking at here is how many demos get booked, how many show qualified for SDRs and AEs, how that scales, and we repeat it for 12 months. This is going to give us a snapshot of what's going to take place over a 12-month period of time. Next, we have revenue attainment. We're converting these numbers into revenue. By the way, this is a cohort analysis. That's the best way to think about it. Uh, if you have a longer sales cycle, the sales cycle is not being taken into account here. Uh, there's a way you can do it. I can talk to you about it after. That's the case if you have longer sales cycles. Uh, all right, cost of sales. How much of the revenue they're generating are you actually paying the organization? And you can see here, uh, we, uh, we make it cumulative because the activity to demo rate changes and also you hire people. So cumulative, it's about 42%. So that's the sheet. Let me ask, does anybody notice a problem? What do you see? You're not meeting the revenue targets. We put in the revenue here, 2 million. 18% close rate, you guys remember the numbers. This is what we all put together. We did everything right. What happened? We hit 1.2 million. This was their plan. How did you come up with the plan? We did it, we guessed, right? And this is what most organizations do. They hire and they hope. I hope three SDRs and three AEs by month six is going to be enough for us to hit two million in revenue over a 12-month period of time. I hope. Well, it didn't work out this time. It didn't even work out on paper. That's where it's supposed to work. If we can't get it to work out on paper, God, I mean, how are we even going to get it to work out in real life? It's impossible. Remember, the new model, we made some changes. I'm going to show you the changes we make. For those of you who are good at spreadsheets, you probably already know the outcome. But let's talk about it. The revenue target, everything is stayed exactly the same. I didn't change any of their real numbers and assumptions, right? 
If you looked at last time, this is just proof, not doing anything fishy. Uh, this is the expected progress. You're gonna notice some big changes here. Instead of hiring one SDR, one AE, we hire two SDR, two AEs. Ah, it's a lot more upfront than I thought. You're trying to hit a $2 million revenue target. If you have big revenue targets, well, you're gonna need, you actually need a team to hit it. You can't be skittish in the beginning. Are we hitting $2 million this year or are we not? Right? I don't know about you. When I set objectives, I, I hit the objective. That's my objective. So I push people on this. You're going to throw up big numbers. You got to commit. So you can see two SDRs, two AEs. By month three, we hired two more SDRs, no more AEs. And then by month five, we have five SDRs, we have three AEs. So I've changed not only the hiring, but I changed the composition of the team. By the way, this composition doesn't work for every organization. Some organizations need more AEs. Some people need more SDR. It, it depends. For this organization, this is what I felt made the most sense. So let's look at the original here. We had one, one, then to two, then to three. We hit the two million under this model. So at least we made it work on paper, right? So whatever that's worth. You know, for me, making sure I have a plan that works on paper, then at least I have a guiding light. I have a North Star. Now it's about to make, let's make it reality. So before... 1.2 million, but really where I want to draw your eyes here is this. Remember that 42%? Some of you are sitting here thinking to yourself, well, of course you hit 2 million, Kyle. You hired more people and faster. You know, you're not pulling a fast one on me, and you're right. I am not. How come we're at 33%? How did we hire more people faster and our cost of sale decreased. Yell it out if you think you know the answer. What do you think? Boom, exactly right. SDRs are cheaper than AEs. So when you have the one-to-one ratio, your, your, this, is, this is not full CAC, but it is impacting CAC. Your CAC is increasing because you have higher, uh, exp- more expensive employees who are sitting around not doing demos. I want AEs selling. And if you're in an environment where you have a large TAM, you're going to need SDRs to drive that velocity. Does that make sense to everybody? So that's in this example here. So I want to move on to improve because we did it on paper, but then we're in reality and we're like, why is this so hard, (laughs) right? Well, it's because you're probably not tracking the right things and maybe you are, but you're not using that data to optimize the sales team over time. And that's what I'm going to show you how to do here. It's a tool that I call the sales metrics analyzer. I'll give you this too. It's, it has filled in sample data here that we're gonna walk through, but it's blank. And I recommend people do this once a month, once a quarter, depending on your sales cycle. And it's gonna give you a clear view of what's happening in your sales organization, where are the actual bottlenecks, so that way you can get really focused on solving the bottlenecks that are actually hurting you from being able to hit your revenue targets. So I'm gonna go through top to bottom here. We have activities. Those lead to engagements, activities, calls, emails, LinkedIn, engagements, pick up the phone. Who picked up the phone? Who replied to an email? Who replied to me on LinkedIn? Engagements. Then we have appointments. Of the people who we engaged with, how many of them actually booked an appointment? From here, in between, we have the percentages. So 10% of activities turn to engagements, 3.1% of engagements turn to appointments. After appointments, we have deal stage one and deal stage two. So you can see here, 
Uh, 76% of appointments make it to deal stage one. 46% of deal stage ones go to deal stage two. And then 67% of deal stage two goes to deal stage three. You repeat that for however many deal stages you have. If you have fewer deal stages, you might not be doing something right. It might not accurately reflect your sales process unless you are a very transactional sale. Uh, if you have too many deal stages, it might also not be right. If you find your sales rep skipping stages in your deal uh, stages, that means you probably have too many stages and they're not relevant. So you want to try to get this as, as well worked out as you can. And then finally, what percentage of deal stage three goes to deal stage or to close one? Everybody follow so far. Cool. Not rocket science. It's sales. Where would you focus? This is a question for you. This is, these are all the numbers, right? We went activities, engagements, appointments, deal stage one, deal stage two, deal stage three, and then close one. Look at all of the percentages in between. Yell out where you would focus. Engagements. En engagement to appointment? Yeah. Okay, great. What else? Yeah. You would do engagement to appointments? Any activities. Activities what, what, what did you say? Activities. Just more activities? Okay, I love that. What else we got? What about it? Major difference You got it. There's a big drop off. So let me, let me paint this picture for you because I think everybody here is right. The question is, where do you prioritize? So 5,500 activities. Is that enough? It might be, it might not be. The engagements to appointments, 3.1%. That's pretty low. We don't convert many people who engage with us. What is that a function of, you think? What was that? Are they ready to buy? It could be. You know what else it could be? It could be the distribution of activity types. What if you're sending a whole bunch of emails, it's driving up your engagement because they're replying that they're not interested. What do you got? Well, the bottom line is the greatest Totally. Sure. Right. And that's a huge part of it. You got to make sure you're targeting the right market. So everybody's right here. The real key is if you can improve a couple of these metrics a little bit. So, hey, are we going to have a 33% increase in our revenue? Like how do we increase our revenue by 33%? You can try to improve one metric by 33% or you can improve a couple of these metrics by 10%. Is everybody here, you think you're capable of doing this? If you put all of your focus on improving one of these metrics, you think it's going to get improved? Of course it will. Of course it will. So let me leave you guys with this. Sales is a complex organization. It might not seem that way, but it's complex. There's multiple variables. Your salespeople have to talk to prospects, understand their challenges. They have to gain their trust. They have to position your product or service as a true solution to the challenge and ask for their money. Meanwhile, leadership's putting a ton of pressure to hit aggressive revenue targets. You have prospects pushing out appointments, you know, totally ghosting you. It's tough. There's always going to be excuses with salespeople. A pandemic, if you remember that one. 
a hurricane in Florida. Anyone remember that one? Oh, my internal champion left. The deal's dead. There are always going to be challenges. What you must do is create a team that improves in spite of these challenges, not a team that's broken by them. And if there's one thing I hope you walk away from our conversation with, it's this. Measure everything that matters. Know exactly what your team has to do in order to be excellent and, most importantly, know what excellence looks like at your organization and expect nothing less. Build an anti-fragile sales team. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do next so you guys can get all of these resources. Uh, Can you all pull out your phone real quick? Everyone pull out your phone. And I want you to open up your camera. You're gonna get a picture of me. It's gonna be one of the best pictures you've ever taken in your life. I'm waiting. Got dolled up for you. And and what we're gonna do is, oh, I had stuff, but we don't need stuff. Scan the QR code here, and there's a button you're gonna click, and you're gonna be able to download the tools that I gave you. There's video walkthroughs on how to do it. If you have any questions at all, just shoot me an email. I'm more than happy to help. And actually do the work, which, by the way, most people won't do. And that's why you're going to be different. Thank you so much, everybody.